Before we dive into the episode, I wanted to let you know I have a free on-demand masterclass called Five Steps to Writing a Novel Without Letting Perfectionism or Procrastination Get in the Way. In this free training, I cover things like where perfectionism comes from, how it's directly linked to procrastination, and what you can do right now to start making real progress with your writing. I also talk about the problem with popular plotting methods and how they can do more harm than good, especially if you're brand new to writing. And last but certainly not least, I share some of the most common mistakes I see writers make so you can avoid them and make this the year you finish your novel. If this sounds like something you're interested in, you can sign up for free at savannagilbo.com forward slash training. One more time, that's savannagilbo.com forward slash training to get your hands on this free masterclass. So there's always a moment in horror stories where one or two characters talk about how strong, smart, and powerful the monster or the antagonist is. And this is what I mean by a speech in praise of the monster. But it doesn't always have to be a speech. So it could be something that's told through a conversation or through letters or newspaper clippings or even a broadcast on TV. Sometimes it's even just as simple as the protagonist piecing together bits of information. And this information usually gives him or her a real look at just how powerful the monster or the antagonist really is. Welcome to the Fiction Writing Made Easy podcast. My name is Savannah Gilbo, and I'm here to help you write a story that works. I want to prove to you that writing a novel doesn't have to be overwhelming. So each week, I'll bring you a brand new episode with simple, actionable, and step-by-step strategies that you can implement in your writing right away. So whether you're brand new to writing or more of a seasoned author looking to improve your craft, this podcast is for you. So pick up a pen and let's get started. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the conventions of the horror genre. I'm also going to show you how these conventions show up in the movie Halloween. So if you're writing a horror novel, this episode is for you. And if not, don't worry because I'm going to cover each of the other genres soon. Now, before we dive in, let's quickly talk about what makes a horror story or what makes the horror genre unique. When you think about the horror genre, you might think of things like psychopaths or aliens or ghosts or creatures with sharp teeth and a dripping maw. I mean, the possibilities for creating a terrifying monster are literally endless in the horror genre. But the genre itself is about more than just a scary monster. In fact, I'd say that the beating heart of the horror genre is the knowledge that bad things can happen to good people. And that's because in horror novels, there's usually an ordinary protagonist who gets dragged into some kind of terrible life or death situation. And in order to survive and escape with their life, the protagonist needs to confront and defeat some kind of monster or evil force that's intent on all things death and destruction. Usually there's a large power gap between the protagonist and the antagonist. And because of that, the protagonist has to work extra hard to not only muster up the courage needed to confront the antagonist with everything they've got, but also to fight to their very last breath if necessary. So it's the life and death stakes plus the scary monster or antagonist and this fight for survival, usually in a rather claustrophobic setting, that makes the horror genre unique. And not only that, but it's these things that help us writers deliver an emotional experience for our readers too. Readers choose horror novels because they want to feel the thrill and terror of being in a life and death situation without actually being in any danger in real life. They want to experience what it's like to confront their nightmares and defeat scary monsters from the comfort of their own homes. And like all genre fiction, you have to deliver the emotional experience that readers are looking for in order for your story to work. And to deliver this emotional experience, you need to include the obligatory scenes and conventions of your chosen genre in your novel. So like I mentioned earlier, today we're going to look at the conventions of the horror genre. 
And in case you've never heard this term before, genre conventions are the character roles, settings, and events that are specific to a genre. They're what help us writers write a story that works, and when coupled with your genre's obligatory scenes, help us to evoke emotional reactions in our readers, too. So now let's take a look at what these conventions are and how they show up in the movie Halloween. And if you're wondering why I'm going to walk you through these key scenes in a movie, it's just because movies require less of a time investment, and I'm hoping that you've either seen the movie Halloween or that you'll at least watch it after listening to this episode. So of course you can and you should study these conventions in your favorite horror novels, but for today we're going to look at them in a movie. And as I go through these conventions, I want you to consider why each of these roles or settings or events would need to be in a horror novel or what purpose they serve in the overall narrative. My hope is that you'll notice that each of these conventions has a really specific reason why it needs to be there. And because of that, you can use these conventions plus the obligatory scenes of the horror genre to help you craft an outline or a first draft of a story that works. And just a reminder, if you want to see how these conventions show up in a few other stories, you can check out the blog post that goes along with this episode that also includes examples from Alien and The Shining. I'll make sure to link to that blog post in the show notes, but for now, let's dive into the conventions of the horror genre using Halloween as an example. The first thing you'll want to include in your horror story is a monster or an antagonist that can't be reasoned with. So in other words, they function and are driven by motivations outside the realm of normal human behavior. They can't be reasoned with like a quote-unquote normal human being would. The monster in your story can be a psychopath, something or someone possessed by an evil spirit, or just a misunderstood creature who's trying to survive. And this to me is one of the biggest distinctions between the horror and the thriller genre, because if you look at an antagonist like Michael Myers in Halloween, he cannot be reasoned with. He's straight up just out to kill. But if you look at someone like Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs, he could probably be reasoned with. I don't know exactly how he could be reasoned with, but I'm sure it's probably possible. So on that note, in our case study Halloween, Michael Myers is described as the embodiment of evil who has no reason, conscious, or understanding. He also hasn't spoken a word in 15 years. So nobody knows what's been brewing in his mind all this time or if he's even capable of rational thought at this point. So because of all that, he definitely fits the role of a monster or an antagonist that can't be reasoned with. And that's convention number one. The second convention of the horror genre is that the monster or the antagonist is very strong or very powerful. So in other words, the power divide between your antagonist and your protagonist is pretty large. And this power divide could be one of strength, intelligence, magical ability, or anything like that. And the reason this is important is because we want readers to feel like it's going to be nearly impossible for your protagonist to survive any kind of encounter with the monster or the antagonist. So in our case study Halloween, Michael Myers is not only creepy, but he also seems to possess superhuman strength too. So even when he gets stabbed with a knife and a coat hanger, he pops right back up and he just keeps going. So in this way, the power divide between Lori and Michael is very large. Lori wouldn't be capable of the same kind of stamina or strength that Michael seems to have. So that's convention number two. The monster or the antagonist is very strong and powerful. The third convention you'll want to include in your story is some kind of sin or past mistake that the protagonist or the world is being punished for. So sometimes there's one person who's directly responsible for unleashing the monster or the antagonist out into the world. Other times there might be corruption in a small town or past crimes that are repeating themselves. 
There could also be something like a parent's sin or mistake that's being revisited on the children. And more often than not, the retelling of the sin or the mistake serves as a warning sign to the protagonist that he or she is going to ignore, which then puts them on a direct path toward a confrontation with the monster or the antagonist. So in our case study Halloween, there are quite a few sins. First, Michael killed his sister when he was about six years old. Second, the staff at the asylum somehow lets Michael escape and they can't bring him back. And third, Lori's friends have fun in the way of drinking drugs and premarital sex and are essentially punished for it later in the story. So that's the third convention, some kind of sin or past mistake that the protagonist or the world is being punished for. The fourth convention you'll want to include in your horror story is some kind of claustrophobic setting. The best settings for horror stories are isolated, confined, or claustrophobic areas that make the protagonist feel trapped and that conceal the presence of the monster. This intensifies the pressure and makes it difficult for the protagonist to escape. And more often than not, the settings in horror stories are usually pretty ordinary until they're not anymore. So in Halloween, the story takes place in a small town of Haddonfield, Illinois. But more specifically, the main events of the story unfold in homes throughout the neighborhood that Lori and Michael grew up in. So that's convention number four, a claustrophobic setting that intensifies the pressure and makes it difficult for your protagonist to escape the threat of the monster. The fifth convention that you'll want to include in your story is that there needs to be multiple lives at stake. So in other words, more than one life, including your protagonist's life, depends on the protagonist defeating the monster or the antagonist. And usually there's a set of kill-off scenes in which side characters die, and as a result, the protagonist is the only one left to face the monster or the antagonist at the end. So in our case study Halloween, a lot of people die. The mechanic dies, a few dogs die, Lori's friends and neighbors die, and then at the very end, Lori becomes the last in line to face Michael. So that's convention number five. There needs to be multiple lives at stake. The sixth convention you'll want to include in your horror story is that the monster stays hidden as long as possible. So in horror stories, we don't always see the monster until the very end. Sometimes all we get are flashes of part of the monster or we experience random attacks at a distance or via technology or visions. So however you want to do it, the goal is that this helps create suspense in the reader and or your characters because they're never really sure when the monster will attack or be fully revealed. So in Halloween, Michael is usually seen for a few seconds at a time and he's always seen from a distance until the last half of the movie. We also get to experience Michael killing Linda from a distance through the phone. So if you remember, Linda calls Lori, and Lori can hear Michael strangling Linda with the phone cord on the other end. The sounds are eventually cut out, and all Lori can hear is Michael breathing into the phone. It's pretty creepy and pretty awesome. So that's convention number six. The monster or the antagonist stays hidden or off screen as long as possible. The next convention you'll want to include in your horror story is at least one shapeshifter. Shapeshifters are characters who say one thing and do another, and usually their behavior directly impacts the protagonist's mission to defeat the monster or the antagonist. So in Halloween, I'd say that Michael is our shapeshifter because he sometimes changes his appearance in order to get his victims. So at one point, he poses as Bob in a ghost costume right before he kills Linda. So that's convention number seven, at least one character who's a shapeshifter. The next convention you'll want to include in your horror story is some kind of ticking clock. So this is some kind of deadline by which the protagonist has to figure out how to stop the monster or the antagonist. 
it's essentially setting up a deadline for this kill or be killed situation. So in Halloween, the ticking clock starts when Lori realizes that someone is killing her friends and that they ultimately want to kill her too. There's also a moment either when Lori hears Michael breathing into the phone or when she first sees him in the hallway of the Wallace house where Lori really realizes what's going on and what's at stake. So she knows that Michael's not going to stop until she's dead too. And that's convention number eight, some kind of ticking clock or deadline by which the protagonist has to figure out how to stop the monster or the antagonist. The next convention you'll want to include in your horror story is some kind of speech in praise of the monster. So there's always a moment in horror stories where one or two characters talk about how strong, smart, and powerful the monster or the antagonist is. And this is what I mean by a speech in praise of the monster. But it doesn't always have to be a speech. So it could be something that's told through a conversation or through letters or newspaper clippings or even a broadcast on TV. Sometimes it's even just as simple as the protagonist piecing together bits of information. And this information usually gives him or her a real look at just how powerful the monster or the antagonist really is. So in Halloween, Dr. Loomis delivers the speech in praise of the monster. He says that Michael isn't just a mere man, but he's the embodiment of all evil. He talks about how when he met Michael 15 years ago, there was nothing left, so no reason, no conscious, no understanding of even the most rudimentary sense of life and death, good and evil, or right and wrong. He even says that when he looks at Michael, he sees a blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest of eyes, or the devil's eyes, and that what was living behind Michael's eyes was pure and simply evil. So that's Dr. Loomis delivering a speech in praise of the monster, a.k.a. Michael Myers. And that's convention number nine, a speech in praise of the monster or the antagonist. The last convention you'll want to include in your horror story is some kind of false ending. So in horror stories, there's usually two endings. First, there's an ending where it seems like the plot is about to wrap up. And this is usually the first version of the protagonist at the mercy of the monster scene. If you don't know what I'm talking about when I say the protagonist at the mercy of the monster scene, go listen to episode number 17 where I talk about the key scenes of the horror genre. After that first ending, when everything seems to be done and over with, the monster or the antagonist rebounds to challenge the protagonist one more time. And this is the second version of the protagonist at the mercy of the monster scene. And even then, there's usually a sense that evil still lurks somewhere out there, even though the story is over. So in our case study Halloween, Lori stabs Michael in the neck with a knitting needle and he slumps behind the couch appearing to be dead. She then goes upstairs to check on the kids and Michael rebounds to challenge her a second time. This time she stabs him with his own knife and he falls to the floor again, but he's still not dead. Dr. Loomis comes in and saves the day by shooting Michael off the balcony. However, when Dr. Loomis looks over the balcony railing, Michael's body is gone. So viewers are left with the sense that evil, or in this case, Michael Myers, is still out there somewhere destined to return at some other time and place. So that's convention number 10, A False Ending. And that's it. Those are the conventions of the horror genre. Now, you might be thinking, okay, yes, some of these sound really obvious, like I know that a horror story has to have a monster, but you'd be surprised how many drafts I see that are missing these key conventions or that don't include them in a meaningful way. You might also be thinking, okay, these sound good, but I don't want to write something that's cliche or predictable and that's full of tropes. And if you're feeling that way, I'd encourage you to go listen to episode number 16 that's all about the difference between genre conventions and tropes. In a nutshell, including these conventions in your story is not going to make your story cliche or predictable in a bad way. 
They're just going to help you write a piece of genre fiction that works. The way you deliver these conventions can fall into cliche territory if you don't put your unique spin on them. But again, you can learn more about that in episode number 16, which I will link to in the show notes. As a freebie for this episode, I created a cheat sheet that lists out each of the conventions for the horror genre. You can download that at savannagilbo.com forward slash horror. So now let's quickly recap what the 10 conventions of the horror genre are. Convention number one is a monster that can't be reasoned with. Convention number two is that the monster is very strong or powerful, so the power divide between your protagonist and your antagonist is very large. Convention number three is that there's some kind of sin or past mistake that the protagonist or the world is being punished for. Convention number four is that the settings feel very claustrophobic. Convention number five is that there are multiple lives at stake, including your protagonists at some point. Convention number six is that the monster stays hidden or off screen as long as possible. Convention number seven is that there's at least one shapeshifter character. Convention number eight is a ticking clock or some kind of deadline by which the protagonist has to stop the monster. Convention number nine is a speech in praise of the monster. And finally, convention number 10 is a false ending. And as a quick reminder, these are the elements that readers come to horror stories for. So these are the things they absolutely love about the horror genre. Personally, my favorite thing about horror stories is that the monster or the antagonist is just pure evil and they can't be reasoned with. To me, that's what makes them pretty darn unpredictable and that's scary. So if I were reading a horror novel or watching a scary movie and the monster was predictable or able to be talked out of their evil mission, I would be pretty disappointed. I'd feel like the book or movie was missing something or that something was just off and that's not ideal, right? So long story short, please don't do that to your readers. Don't skip over these conventions or leave them out of your story. Instead, use them to help you flesh out and construct your story and then figure out a way to deliver these conventions in new and unexpected ways. If you do that, you're not only going to write a story that works, but you're also going to gain fans for life too. So that's it for today's show. As always, I want to thank you so much for tuning in and showing your support. If you want to check out any of the links I mentioned in this episode, you can find them over at savannagilbo.com forward slash podcast. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the show because there's going to be another brand new episode coming out next week. If you're an Apple user, I'd really appreciate it if you took a few seconds to leave a quick rating and review. Your ratings and reviews tell iTunes that this is a podcast that's worth listening to. And in turn, that helps this show get in front of more fiction writers just like you. So that's it for today's show. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, happy writing.